Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to your favorite one-stop shop for horror news, true crime, and real-life tales of the unexplained. Monsters at Midnight, brought to you by the Zima Podcasting Network. Be sure that you are following us on Instagram, our Facebook page, and if you feel so inclined, shoot us a met email on uh, monsters.midnight, spelt incorrectly, at gmail.com. We welcome all suggestions, uh, comments, concerns, erotica. We would love to hear it all. You can always listen to us on Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, and preferably the Zima Podcasting Network homepage, uh, zimapodcastingnetwork.com. It's going under some renovation, but you can find all of our lovely episodes there for your binging pleasure. I'm your host, your favorite escape madman, loose on the airwaves, terrorizing your eardrums, Matt Schaefer. And joining me tonight, I have the doctor himself back in the doctor's chair, flipping those knobs, flipping those switches, and shooting every single bolt of electricity through this podcast to animate it back to life. Graham Zima, how are you tonight? Just like old times, man. Just like old times. Jolene is in the process of having her head spin around and pea soup vomit shooting all over the place from the way it sounds, so she will unfortunately not be joining us for the rest of her life um, or afterlife. You know, I guess you can never, you never can tell with those things. But uh, yeah, uh, we've got a groovy episode for you, kicking it old school. Uh, bolt your windows, lock your doors. I almost threw you off just by looking at you. <laughs> And turn out the lights, monsters, and motherfucking midnight rides again. Motherfucking. Motherfucking. Oh, yeah, it's a good thing she doesn't listen to the episodes. She just <laughs> talk mad shit all night. Uh, I'm glad it. it is. No, I'm just kidding. Feel better, Jolin. We're, we're drinking in your memory. Yeah. Um, We got a couple of topics of discussion tonight, but... uh. We also just want to play it loose because Graham's been having a heck of a time with work and such, and I'm still broken. So I think this would just be unwinding time with the monsters at midnight. Yeah, man. We just passed three years. Yeah. Like, with this show. And like I said, we got to keep it old school. Got to do what we did. Yeah. Like we did back in the day with the three hour long episode. Yeah, so, I mean, we're going to be reading creepypastas yeah. this episode. And not well either. It wasn't like, <laughs> like, it wasn't even like, oh, this is an interesting read of a creepypasta. It was like, no, this is like the world's shittiest reading of a yeah. creepypasta. Stumbling over my words. I learned in that episode I can't read. So, hey, welcome to the club, Val. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, if you're a fan of the network, if you're a fan of the podcast and you've been with us since day one, we appreciate you. It's uh, viewers like you that make this possible. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I'm enjoying uh, that meme of Steve Carell and the. Oh, yeah. The, uh, <laughs> Me as a four year old. <laughs> it's pretty good. Um, so, Graham, you just got Shudder. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, we fucking. Uh, 
told or I told you to at least. Yeah. So we might as well. We usually do this at the end of the episode, but actually, if you paid attention last week, we forgot to recommend horror movies because we always do that during October. But I we also gave two pretty glowing reviews for movies, so I consider those recommendations in its own right. But uh, since you just got Shudder, uh, let's talk about some stuff that we've been watching and some stuff that you guys should be watching. So yeah. I've been uber critical of streaming services. I'm very picky, and I think that the day and age of like everybody's got a streaming service of their own is kind of, I don't know, it kind of defeats the original purpose of a streaming service. Like you, It was originally supposed to be the alternative to cable, right? Yeah. but now once you add all the costs of all these different streaming services with all the content you want, it's just going to be the same exact price. So. Yeah. But then any every so often one comes along and you're like, okay, this is pretty sick. And in this case, it is Shutter. Matt is right. He he turned me on to the idea. I actually had no idea about the service until you mentioned that it had a connection with Amazon Prime. So um, I I kind of yeah, dug. You, I should mention if you have an Amazon Prime account, it's like a it's like five bucks extra a month to get Shutter. And there's like you're talking about memes on Facebook. There's like the guy with the the like picket sign that says put better horror movies on Netflix. It's like, get fucking shutter. Yeah. Like that's where it's fucking at. And yeah. I don't want to hear any more complaints about it. <laughs> I will agree with that meme just on the basis of, yeah, Netflix does have some pretty shitty horror movies. And true. I would say if that's, if, that's true for the most part. Yeah. If you were to stack like all of the major streaming services like Netflix, Hulu, Amazon um, together to see which one has uh, the best and worst. I mean, Netflix would be definitely towards the bottom um, yeah, I mean, not to say they don't have any like anything good on there, but like we're just talking in total. Um, I think Hulu and Shutter have probably the strongest contenders in there, and they all have the same problems too with like whatever license they get runs out, and then all of a sudden movies will vanish. Like we uh, we watched the Japanese horror movie audition and. I could have sworn that it was on Shutter or Amazon Prime for the longest time, and then the day we went to watch it, you had to rent it. So, like, it's still you still run into the same problems. You watch more of your movies on Amazon Prime or Netflix? It depends. Um, it really depends on what I'm looking for. If it's something I really, really want to see, I still buy it a lot of the time. Yeah. If it's something that I'm, if it's something that I know I'm gonna like, I should say phone is responding to me as if I awoke it from some slumber. Um, where was I going with that? Oh, if it's something I'm fr- I like, I'm pretty sure I'm going to like. I'll still buy a physical copy of it. But recently, it's been it's been Amazon Prime, yeah. just because they've got a more diverse select. Like, there's a lot of great great movies on Netflix, but it's a lot of like what you would expect, like. A lot of pop culture phenomenons, a lot of Oscar winners. Amazon Prime has a weirder and more diverse selection of movies. I get the same suggestions on Netflix all the time. Yeah. Like, like the, the like the featured... other day, my, I, the the app like pops up. It's like we recommend you watch Pulp Fiction. It's like fucking never seen that one before. <laughs> yeah, like you go through all the categories like on that homepage, and it's like yeah, it, it and you have to do some digging to to mm-hmm. find the other titles that are available and. Yeah, I think Amazon does a better job of kind of displaying more of the, I mean, like obscure is maybe not the right word, but just, just it gives a you more, more diverse selection. And yeah. they'll have a lot of newer movies sooner than Netflix does, yeah. I've noticed. 
and just getting Shudder as like a channel on Amazon Prime really just is the icing on the cake for me. Because if I'm a lot of the time, I'm, what I'm looking for are either like weird horror or weird action movies. So go on to Shudder now, use the promo code MONSTERS, and you'll get absolutely <laughs> nothing. Get nothing. Yeah, you this lose. is in case you. Uh, in case you thought this was Dude, some type we, of sponsored Hey, segment. I was going to say, bloody disgusting isn't going to whore out for us. Shudder, if you're listening, I'll I'll rep your shit all oh, day and night. Anything. Um. So, yeah, what have you been watching? Uh, that's where I was going with this. We'll do our movie recommendations now. What have you been watching with your newfound Shudder account? Um. Yeah, I've tried to mix and match. I wanted to, to challenge myself a little bit um, to try to watch something that maybe... Maybe I typically wouldn't go towards, I guess, you know, something that doesn't maybe look up my wheelhouse. Um, so I'm hoping as this week continues to progress and as we approach more of the weekend and I have a little bit of time, I'm going to investigate some of the more obscure titles on the shutter. But mm-hmm. I started things off. I watched, um, what was the first movie I watched on shutter? I think it was Slumber Party Massacre, which was the first time that I've ever seen that movie. And um, solid movie. Yeah. It's what a blast it's just i mean it's goofy it's corny but goddamn, is it a fun time mm-hmm. and it um it really captures um the that that halloween feeling which yeah. you know it's almost hard to put a word to what that halloween feeling is but we all know it when we kind of encounter it, yeah like a halloween I mean, it vibe. hits all because like i was talking to you about this it was originally supposed to be a parody of slasher movies yeah so it hits all of the beats that a slasher movie of that era is supposed to hit, like right. literally like escaped maniac teenagers, literally at a slumber party, dumb boys and like gratuitous violence. Do you see a pair of titties within the first two minutes of that movie? It is. It's ridiculous. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, it was, it was, I mean, I guess the only downfall of it, which I guess isn't really a downfall because it kind of comes with the territory of a slasher movie. Is I thought the characters were pretty weak. Oh, yeah. Even in comparison to, like, Halloween where... Yeah. Yeah, there were some pretty shittily written... I mean, shittily is a word, but <laughs> shitty written characters uh, in Halloween. Some of, the, some of the dialogue in the original Halloween is pretty awful. <laughs> but the protagonist, um, Jamie Lee Curtis... Uh, why am I blinking on the name right Laurie now? Laurie Strode. Laurie Strode, exactly. Um, is relatable and and you can get behind as a protagonist. Mm-hmm. I had a hard time getting behind uh, the protagonist of Summer Party Massacre. Yeah. I just didn't really care. I just thought it was kind of a... There was, they're, a, there they're was very, nothing compelling about her to make me like, yeah. I want you to defeat this killer. And, and if They're you're all not, like pretty placeholder in that movie yeah and like i said i think that just comes with the territory of of a slasher movie but i was hoping for just a little bit more like oomph to the characters i guess to some degree yeah Um, no i get what you mean i'm curious to see the second one because apparently they riff on nightmare on elm street there they do a lot of dream stuff in the second one and uh, the second one looks bananas does it have any of the reoccurring like is there any of the characters from the first one in the second i think so i think uh the younger sis, there's the younger sister character who has like the the playgirl with Sylvester Stallone on what the cover. What a very interesting storyline. Yeah, I wasn't, I didn't quite get what they were trying to go with. Like, well, I, don't, I was confused by but, that element. Yeah, I think she's the main character. I don't think it's the same actress, but I think she's the same. She's she is in the second one, and like her older sister is in an asylum after the events of the first movie, from what I understand. Hmm. 
I fucking, I don't know. The the second one looks bonkers, and then they made a third one, and I've heard that the third one is just, like, kind of shit all around, so. Yeah, yeah I thought that whole, that whole, um, the moments that were going on in that house, the younger sister and the protagonist, I just, it kind of detracted from what was actually interesting to me, which was the slumber party right, itself. Yeah. I thought that that was, while the characters were pretty whatever in that sequence as well at least i was kind of engaged to what was going on like i don't know i just there there's problems with it but overall i think it delivers where it needs to deliver Um, no yeah that's one of that's one of my issues with the movie is the pacing is kind of weird um you rewatched uh texas chainsaw master the original so i rewatched it but i will say it's probably like the first time i've watched it and been fully invested in it. Um, the, the other time that I watched it, I, or actually there was two other times I watched it. I was, there was something going on. I think one of the times was when we were living at, when I was living at the prospect house. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Charlie, uh, who's been on the show before, uh, put it on or I, he did or Brian did. I don't remember how it is, but he was there and we were all kind of watching it, but I was just, I think I was doing homework or there was some aspect that was keeping me away from actually watching right. it. And, uh, but I caught some of the bigger moments. So I kind of got the, un- like I, I caught probably 80% of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I tried to watch it in my freshman year of college and I got through all of it, but I think something was going on at that point that also distracted me. So I had never, I've never watched an uninterrupted viewing of it mm-hmm. and, uh, now watching an uninterrupted, uninterrupted, uh, viewing of it. Yeah, man, that movie is fucking amazing. Like yeah. it is, and we were talking about this on the ride over here. Um, that movie to me does not work without the low budget feel. Yeah. It's in the same vein of Blair Witch Project. It's without that aesthetic to it, it doesn't carry the same weight. Mm-hmm. And um, I, dude, there's so many. I, I'm gonna, I might actually rewatch it again before Halloween. I, I have not watched a horror movie that has gotten me that just like. I don't know if invested is the right word, but just like, I don't know. There was just something about this viewing of it, not having a distraction that just, it, it was incredible. I, I, I really, I, it's towards the top of my list. It might've actually passed psycho, um, as my favorite horror movie of all time. Um, and I, uh, yeah, I can't say enough good things about that movie. And I think anybody who's listening to this Witch was your favorite horror movie. Yeah. Did it, you do it, like a reevaluation? I reevaluated in like, yeah, that's that's true. Blair Witch is up there. I I think Blair Witch, Psycho, and Texas Chainsaw will now be kind of the three that play for number one. Okay. Um, I think that those um, solid choices. <laughs> yeah, I I I um, but I think this viewing of of Texas Chainsaw just I don't know. There was something about it's. I think back to um a comment that was that I heard back when I was a sophomore in college by a um professor i have we were watching a low budget um robert redford movie it was a i don't remember the name of it but he was a skier in the movie oh i know what you're talking about i i don't remember what the movie's called but i i I think a professor showed me part of this movie too yeah um it's a great movie but we were having a conversation after and one of the things he said i think you could definitely apply to texas chainsaw especially if you've been a filmmaker at any point in your life is it's one of those movies that makes you want to make movies mm-hmm. like it's inspiring it's like you can make something great on so little the same thing you could be said about Blair Witch Project and I think there's something to that I think there's something to a movie that 
you're watching and you're like, I could definitely pull something like this off. Mm-hmm. You know, Texas Chainsaw is one of the uh, inspirations behind the script that I wrote that I hope to get made within the next couple of years. Too, so. Yeah, it's it's just I think there's that low budget feel uh, really works in its favor. So I, I yeah I had a blast watching that and then um, started watching and I'm blanking on the name again. Uh, old House, Old Dark. Oh, the Old Dark House. Yeah, I watched that this year too. It's a Old uh, 1932 Universal movie uh, with Boris Karloff. Um, he plays like the mute manservant of this creepy old house, and it's solid. It was a. It's one of the unsung, one of the unsung uh, Universal classics. Like everyone talks about Frank and Drac, but no one really talks about this one. Yeah, I. I mean, I'm a sucker for black and white movies in general. Um, I. I love them personally. I think if I had to pick, if if I had to pick a time period of filmmaking that I had to watch for the rest of my life, I'd probably revisit. I'd probably choose black and white movies. I just I love the feeling that it gives you when you watch one, and just the um, atmosphere that it provides. Um, and I didn't finish this one, but it's definitely one that I hope to finish in the next couple of days because I enjoyed what I saw of it. Uh, yeah. But at that point, I'd already gone through reviewing of Texas Chainsaw, so I was kind of like, I don't know if I can handle another one right after this. Right. So yeah. um, eventually, I'll get around to it. But so that's been kind of the starting point. I watched Pumpkinhead, which wasn't on, um, which wasn't on Shutter, but I also watched that recently and um, had a blast watching it. I've heard that movie is really good. I still it's need to see it. Way better than it should be. Right. I yeah. saw a comment that that was made on my my post when I when I posted on Facebook that I was watching it that was like that movie is way better than it has any right to be. Mm-hmm. And that's like the best way to describe it. It's so corny and goofy, but it's so it's, I've seen some of the the special effects that monster looks incredible. Oh my god. But I think yeah, it's amazing. I think the guy who is behind the makeup, I could be wrong. I think the guy who was behind the makeup in American Werewolf in London okay. is is behind that. Okay. So Yeah. Solid picks. Um, trying to think, what have I been watching? Oh, I watched uh, Maniac, uh, the nineteen eighty Maniac with uh, directed by William Lustig, who uh, did the Maniac Cop movies. Uh, no relation, starring Joe Spinell, who is a very famous Italian American uh, character actor. You've seen him and probably seen him in like Rocky, Rocky Two, The Godfather. He's you. He's just got a recognizable face, but he plays this guy who is he plays a serial killer who is basically coping with serious. It's sort of a, a psycho type of character, sort yeah. of a Norman Bates type of character, but they do a little enough difference. So you're not like, oh, it's just Norman Bates, but like the real showstopper is uh, again, like it's low budget. It's like super grimy. The special effects are nasty. Like uh, Tom Savini, who did the uh, the special effects for Dawn of the Dead and a couple of Friday the Thirteenth movies, he did all the the special effects. There's a scene where uh, a guy gets his head blown off with a double barrel shotgun, and they actually they built a dummy head, filled it with all sorts of like dog food and fake blood and stuff, and because they it was so low budget. And they couldn't get a permit to shoot anywhere in New York. Basically, Tom Savini fired a real shotgun at this dummy head, 
threw the shotgun into his buddy's truck and hopped in with his buddy and they drove off as soon as they got done filming the shot. And that's kind of what it feels like watching the movie. You feel like you're watching. It, it's not It's not a perfect movie. Like, I think Joe Spinell is the only actor in that movie that does an outstanding job. Everyone else kind of sucks. But it's one of those kind of movies where, like, if you like me, you like trash cinema, you like exploitation cinema. This is a good one. It it's is exciting, you know, yeah, like that. It's, and, like, it's one of those weird movies because, like, it's like Texas Chainsaw where you're watching it. It feels so low budget. It's like, this feels, like, real. Like, I feel like I'm witnessing someone, like, something horrible happen <laughs> to people. Yeah. I was legitimately impressed and like unnerved. It was it was a really cool movie. I like the way you put that. Like I didn't I didn't even touch on that when talking about Texas Chainsaw. Like you're right, because of the low budget aspect, it definitely feels like you're watching a documentary. Just yeah, I mean, obviously you could say that about Blair Witch Project because that's the way it was presented. Mm-hmm. But with Texas Chainsaw, that isn't the found footage style. It still carries that same feeling and effect, which I think is really powerful i forget uh who said this quote but a quote i heard a long time ago about texas chainsaw is like it's so like grainy and grimy that it like looks like something you would be shown in your high school biology class and i and i understand well that's probably more true to like an older generation but like because I don't think we were shown anything on like 35 millimeter film in our biology class. But, I wish. But. Yeah, but I get, I remember my physics class, my teacher brought out a, a laser disc because he couldn't find the the presentation anywhere else other than that laser disc. Anyway, I digress. Uh, check out William Lustig's Maniac. They did remake it with Elijah Wood a few years ago. I don't know much about that other than that one's apparently super gross too and filmed almost solely in the first person perspective. Ah, I remember this now. So uh, I'm curious to check that one out too, but uh, I can only recommend the, the original because I've seen it. I also watched uh, for the first time the movie Phantasm, which had been on my list for a while. Okay. It's a late 70s horror movie. It's, uh, again, low budget, weird fucking movie. The way I watch it is it's on it's on Shudder as a part of... Well, I need to explain this. If you don't know who Joe Bob Briggs is, Joe Bob Briggs hosted TNT's Monster Vision in the late 90s and early 2000s. I only know who he is in passing. I didn't grow up watching him. I have no nostalgia for Joe Bob Briggs, but he has a revival show called Joe Bob Briggs last drive in on uh shutter where he still does what he did on TMT TNT monster vision, where he'll like watch the movie and then where there would be a quote unquote commercial come in and do like a little commentary and some comedy bits. It's not a bad concept, but that's how I watched phantasm. And I kind of want to watch it without that other stuff in it because I was like kind of every so often like I'd be getting into the movie and then it's like cut and now we're talking to this guy and it's like all right well I just want to watch the fucking movie but the movie's interesting uh reminds me a lot of the movie Suspiria it has this weird sort of dream like presentation where you don't know what's real and like it it was cool and I want to rewatch it because I didn't like it as much as I think I could if I watched it purely uninterrupted but uh, between 
what we've been recommending. There's a lot of stuff that you should check out. And uh, if you haven't gotten Shudder and you're watching to this show or listening to the show, you should probably invest in Shudder. Yeah, no, totally. Like I said, it's not a sponsored segment, but uh, can't say good enough things, especially this time of year. Oh, um, yeah. Just download Shutter and uh, or I don't know if you can download it as an app, but go on to the Shutter website yeah. and uh, make use of it because you get a free trial in there, so test it out, and then hopefully if you if you enjoy it, you'll you'll sign up for yeah. it to some degree. And like and I said, use also- the promo code Monsters because you'll get absolutely nothing. <laughs> they've also started. Uh, they've got. Um, they're starting to get original content on there now too. Like I know they've got a Critters TV show. Okay. They've, they've got the Creep Show TV show on there now. Interesting. And I, I've been following Shutter since it was like first launched, and they didn't have anything. When on was it. that? I don't remember. It's been a few years now, but I remember like signing up for the free trial then, and they didn't have like anything that I recognized or thought was worth watching. I was like, well, this isn't gonna fucking work at all. And little did I know, here comes Shutter. Or they had like, like the shittiest sequel in a horror franchise. Yeah, I don't I wish I could remember because I even looked up I think I tried looking up Night of the Living Dead on there because that movie's public domain and like I figured fucking everyone should be streaming Night of the Living Dead because it's public domain. As far as I they uh, that might not be true. They might be working on getting the rights back to the Romero estate or something. But as far as I know, it's still public domain, so everyone should have that streaming, but they don't. And <laughs> Shudder didn't when I first when it was first launched. And I was like, if they can't even get Night of the Living Dead on here, then what the fuck use is this? Yeah. But little did I know, it's like a juggernaut and fucking one of the best streaming services that I use personally. I'm always interested because, like, in the case of Shudder, like, if you look at the Halloween selection they have, I'm talking about Halloween, the franchise. Mm-hmm. They have, like, Halloween 1, I think 4 and 5, and that's it. So I'm yeah. always interested in how those licensing deals actually end up working out because it's like you would think if you're if you're going in to buy the Halloween licensing rights, if you're a streaming service, like, you would think you'd, they probably would have an option that you could just get all of them. Well, I but know. But maybe, I don't know. I don't know how that works. I, I know because, like, it's honestly a miracle that the Halloween franchise box set even became a thing. Oh, it's the best. It in is the, world. the best thing. But like, so many different companies own technically own all those different movies. I think now technically, because with the new one, Bloomhouse owns the right to the franchise. But I know like Universal did how the original Halloween too. Right. Universal is really fucking stingy with their their properties. That's why, like, it's so fucking expensive to find anything. Like, the box sets for all the Universal Monster movies are, like, $200 when there's probably, like, I don't know, 10 movies on the set. It's ridiculous. But I know, and then, like, of course, Dimension picked up the rights in the 90s with, like, six H2O and Resurrection. What ended up happening with Dimension? Yeah. Dimension. I don't know what Dimension. Because weren't they, they were, were they... Dimension Owned was, by Miramax? Yeah, I think Dimension was a division of Miramax because Robert Rodriguez was doing movies for them for a while. And Rob Zombie was collaborating. Well, well yeah, that's why his, his Halloween movies were Dimension, too. Because he was collaborating with Weinstein a lot on that movie. Yeah, that's and right. And he said that Weinstein made it a fucking nightmare to make that movie. So they well, had yeah, some association. He, if, yeah, that's the other thing, too. If you 
There we go. We brought him up on the podcast. Oh, fuck. I didn't There's that. that for the drinking game. It was only a matter of time. <laughs> um, but yeah, you should listen to that interview he was uh, did with or Joe Rogan. The Joe Rogan. Let me try that again. Rogaine. Joe, Joe, Joe Rogan episode with Rob Zombie is really cool. He doesn't go into a whole lot of depth about the Halloween uh, experience, but he makes it sound like that it was... It was a studio project, and he doesn't sound very happy about it. Which is upsetting, because if you watch the uh, late-night interview he had when he first announced that he was going to be directing it, mm-hmm. he just had this like very child-like energy about making it. Like yeah. This was like a lifelong dream that was about to be fulfilled. And then you watch him, even during the behind-the-scenes of Halloween 2, and he's just completely uninterested and just looks completely frustrated by the whole process which is weird because he's even stated that he had much more creative freedom on halloween too yeah so it's weird that like i mean i don't know it's a fucking it's a studio film and like i'm sure i think fucking getting john carpenter in the ring for the new one was a saving grace for the new halloween and but also, I don't know what it's like making a movie for Jason Bloom, so I have no idea. But I no. think getting John Carpenter on board probably helped the production quite a bit, too. Yeah. But regardless, um, I think we'll move on to our next and final topic of discussion. But before I do that, I forgot to mention this at the top of the episode. Remember, this Monday, the 28th, oh, come yeah. on down to Sabbatic in Walker's Point in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, uh, we are going to be having a Monsters at Midnight. Well, Monsters at Midnight is going to be co-hosting their uh, Punks and Horror Trivia Night. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. We are going to be technically making our quote-unquote public appearance uh, 10.30 to 12.30-ish. D-list celebrities, ladies D-list and gentlemen. D-list celebrities. That's being very generous. <laughs> um, but yeah, if you get there, I'm going to be there from five until someone needs to forcibly remove me from the premises. So, and Jolyn works from five to nine, but when she's done work at not with work at nine, she will be, she works at sabbatic. <laughs> I'm really bad at telling stories. She should be here to explain all this. Um, when she's done with work at nine, she will come back on our side of the playing field and get drunk with the rest of us. There's no excuse not to make it out, ladies and gentlemen. I have work at 5 a.m. the next day, and I'm still going to be yeah. there party until about midnight. So yeah. you can uh, you can make some time for it. Come on by. It's going to be chances to win a bunch of cool prizes. We're going to have a raffle. We're gonna, we got trivia still like we do every monday so we're gonna be giving out prizes for that free movies free posters like matt and i were looking at some of the prizes just came in we got more on the way we got um friday the 13th shot classes we got fucking um i got t-shirts on the way there's only gonna be five t-shirts for monsters at midnight so and they're pretty dope t-shirts you can rep them anywhere that you walk just all you have to do for this raffle is you have to be subscribed to the show and you have to have left a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It's really not that difficult. Mm-hmm. There's no process to it. So you, uh, you you meet all those requirements and then we'll put your name into the drawing and then we'll be drawing the names probably around midnight. Yep. And then, um, yeah, free movies. I mean, 
bunch of cool free shit. So Jolyn also uh, got she's put together a bunch of like uh, Halloween themed gift bags too. I think yeah. those will be awarded for correct trivia questions and yeah. stuff like that. So yeah, so it's gonna be a good time if you're in the Milwaukee area. Please come on by. We're really excited about it. It's like the best way to celebrate Halloween. Um, yeah. Just get out there, meet a few people, meet us, and uh, who knows? You can also offer another scenario you can offer up uh topics for the show i don't know you yeah. know anything really the, the the time is yours but come on out sabbatic monday the 28th of october monday the 28th of october sabbatic walker's point milwaukee wisconsin i'm gonna be there at five until i die a natural death it wouldn't be natural if it's alcohol poisoning I was gonna say that but yeah i got where you're going with that as soon as my old age finishes me off <laughs> at sabbatic there <laughs> but we'll close out uh this episode with a little discussion on a topic I've been teasing for the past couple of weeks. Uh, your friend and mine, Eli Roth, as <laughs> I don't know why it interested. Oh, did he hit that. me up this morning? I meant to hit yeah. up. Your favorite Martian, Eli Roth. Um, he's very excited about a new script called 1031. That's the date of Halloween. No, <laughs> that he's going to be producing for Orion. He is quoted saying this or. Excuse me, the uh, Orion's belt isn't that a thing? Yeah, Orion is a film company oh, as well. Okay, um, I didn't know why Orion was still around. I thought it, Orion was like a purely 80s and 90s production company, but regardless, the synopsis for the script is about uh, it is about a young woman who takes her niece and nephew trick-or-treating and discovers a note inside a candy wrapper that says there's a killer loose on her block. Roth has said of the project, I don't want to reveal too much, but this is one of the best, scariest premises for a horror film that I have read in years. Slasher films are my favorite subgenre of horror, and this script has all the ingredients of a new classic. We are very excited to make this film with Orion, who we have a long relationship with, and who understand and who understand what it takes to make a no holds barred scary movie. So that's a very broad and vague statement. But any thoughts on uh, Eli Roth's new disaster piece, Ten Thirty One? I guess one of the things I'll say is like the same thing when you're talking about going viral with something it's like you can never predict a classic yeah you can never predict something going viral so i always kind of take that with a grain of salt it's like we have the all the ingredients for a new classic in the horror genre it's like okay but most of the time a film that comes along that is a classic it never intended to be one it was they just were trying to make a good movie so i don't know if i like buy into that necessarily i'm a fan of eli roth um from what I've seen, I'm a big fan of Hostel 1 and 2. Um, I think those are pretty... Did he direct number 2? I don't even remember. Yeah. I think he did direct number 2. Yeah, he two. did. Um, it was after... The, I don't think he did 3. Yeah, that's what it was. Okay, so yeah, n- number 1 and 2 are pretty solid movies. Um, can't say I've watched uh, much else of what he's had to do, but... Cabin Fever is really good. Yeah. <laughs> and we were talking about that the other day, I actually ended up watching remake of yeah cabin that's fever, right unfortunately not knowing that i was watching the remake of cabin fever but um yeah but i i dig you i roth just as a what he says what he sets out to do i like his appreciation of the horror genre he comes at it with a very respectful attitude and really wants to make stuff that is gonna 
send a chill down people's spine. And I, he's I one can, of those guys like Rob Zombie that has a legitimate appreciation for the genre. Yeah. And regardless of what you think about his movies, you can tell that he has an appreciation for the genre. Yeah, you can tell he's got an understanding of the history of the genre, where everything kind of comes from, and and a lot of his work reflects that. So, um, in that sense, you know, I don't know. I'll probably check it out um, at some point. When is it scheduled to come out? Does he have any idea? Or? It There is very little known beyond what I said. He, okay. I think he just, they just signed on to make the script, so they're probably uh, in the very early phases of pre-production. Uh, okay, yeah. So it'll be a little bit of time, but um, yeah, I uh, we'll, we'll kind of see how it all goes, and, and hopefully it's a solid film. Um, I know it's it's been kind of a weird past few years for horror films just like newer horror films like there's nothing that I thought you were going to say it's been a weird past few years for Eli Roth which I still would have agreed with I agree with that yeah (laughs) but like there's not been anything outside of Midsummer and Hereditary really you can make the case for a few other and if you can find a title that 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 to add that list I'm all yours yeah well I mean that like is going to be that is left a serious impact. I think yeah, no, people. I I agree with that. I agree with that. Cuz like I'm, tr- the- I'm trying to think I I'm just trying to like rack my brain and think of what else. Oh, well, get out and us would be the only yeah, other thing. Yeah, that's true. That um But yeah, between those are the four like that are like the big the big big ones. But I even us like get out for sure, but even us was like it's a great film and I love it, but it didn't I didn't hear people like going on and on and on about it after it yeah. came out. In the same way that we got with Get Out or Hereditary. Like, Hereditary, I couldn't stop hearing about that movie, especially with my, my circle. I, yeah. And Midsummer, you know. I can't fucking escape that movie. Um, but yeah, I just, I, I'm... There's been definitely some some contenders in the last couple of years, but nothing that's been like, oh, fuck. Like, yeah. that, that is going to define this era of horror films. Right. Um, I think, I think get if, out get out probably takes a cake at this point. Well, I think if you also and this may be unfair, but if you're looking to Eli Roth to direct the n- new American horror classic, I think you better keep looking, but that's just my opinion. <laughs> Who knows though? I mean, you, I mean you never know. Like, and like again, like it doesn't sound like maybe he'll do rewrites, but it doesn't sound like he wrote this script. Yeah. And like I don't cuz it's one of those things where it's like sure He's a horror fan, but like when he writes his own scripts, that's when things kind of go bananas and not even like the good, excuse me, the good kind of bananas. But for the most part, I can't, eh, you know what? I can't even say that because the only movie I've only seen two of his movies and that being Cabin Fever, which I do like, even though I think it's dated (laughs) in the just the fact that they use homosexual slurs far too frequently. And uh, the other one is Knock Knock, and you, you can see a previous, far previous episode about what I think about Knock Knock. But I was just like, what has he come out with recently? He did The Green Inferno, but that's been a few years ago 2015, already. I think he did the Death Wish remake with Bruce Willis. Oh shit, I forgot about that. And then he did <laughs> The House with the Clock in Its Walls. Huh. I yeah, like you said. So I, really... I, I fucking I guess yeah. It, all the cards are on the table. I have no idea what the fuck this movie is gonna be like then. And like I I agree with pretty much everything you have to say. 
Like you never know what's going to be. No one sets out to make a classic, or at least they shouldn't make it, set out to make a classic because you know what's going to happen. You're not going to make a classic. Many people have tried to go out there and and make the next, you know, next great American movie. Great next great American movie, one that moves audiences or or captivates them in ways that they never thought was possible. And it's just like you, there's no there's no how to on how to make a, a classic. There's there's ways that you can work towards making a great movie, but what becomes a classic is just like how do you how do you define that? How do yeah. you how do you make all of that possible? And and so um I've and we've heard this from other you know, even outside of the horror genre of directors and production companies and, and creatives that have, when a script has been passed around that have said, this is going to be the next, you know, big thing. This yeah. is going to, this is going to change movies forever. And it's just like, I just don't know. I, I don't you know how you can predict that. Yeah. Like that, so yeah. I think that's what it boils down to. Yeah. And like, I mean, that, and that's the other thing too, is like Eli Roth is a fan of slasher movies. I at least trust him to direct an entertaining slasher movie. I don't know if it's going to be, I at least I fingers crossed hope he could direct a new and entertaining slasher movie. That's what I hope for. Um, beyond that though, I'm not like super holding my breath. I'll check it out, but I'm not like, Oh fuck new Eli Roth movies coming out, but I'm also not a avid follower of his work. I'd like to see more of his stuff, but it's like one of the best <laughs> like descriptions of my feelings on Eli Roth. I'm not like fuck this guy. Like yeah, I know so. Maker. I know so many people that just absolutely hate him, and I'm like, he's not. There are far worse fucking horror movies and horror filmmakers that you could be watching. I, Eli Roth is not that bad of a filmmaker, and it goes back to like we said. It's if you're a horror fan, you should at least respect him in the sense of he goes out there to make an appealing horror film that is going to uh, leave a mark on the genre every yeah. time. I mean, he, he, he knows his shit when it comes to the genre, whether he, whether he makes something that is good. I mean, that's, that's like I said, that's up for debate and yeah. that kind of depends on which movie you're, we're talking about, but I think his heart's in the right place. Yeah. Oh no, I, I totally agree. You know, which is weird that like this past two movies have been studio projects. Yeah. It's weird. That, money, money talks. Yeah, I guess that's true. But yeah, be on the lookout for uh, Eli Roth's new uh, picture, 1031, coming to a theater sometime this lifetime. 31. 31. I want another filmmaker that respects the craft but doesn't always have his head in the right place. <laughs> um, oh, Lords of Salem. You know what? You're going to be mad at me, but I rewatched that movie. I and hate I, you already. I'm kind of in love with Fuck that movie. Fuck off. Fuck it's off. stupid. I'm not going to lie. It is a stupid movie. Dude, um, it goes back to what we talked about with this movie before. It's it's It just pisses me off because it thinks it's so much more important than it is. Yeah. And I don't, and like I said, I think I love Rob Zombie's filmography in other ways because it knows what, it, it gets very aware of what it's trying to be. This movie is like the only one of his filmography where I can look at and be like, all right, you got your head up your own ass in this one. Like you think you're making this huge, maybe not philosophical statement, but you're you're definitely he trying he's to making a Kubrick movie. Yeah, exactly. And I just that's where my issues come with with it is is the intent behind it doesn't seem genuine. It just I don't know. And that's totally fair. But I honestly like I don't know. I just like 
if a movie pulls off style over substance in an interesting way, at least I'll give it, I'll give it my time of day. Like I'm a sucker for eye candy. That's why I like, that's why I like Baz Luhrmann's fucking movies. Yeah. Even though I don't know if Baz Luhrmann's ever directed a movie that's quote unquote good. Um, Great Gatsby would probably be the closest thing. Yeah, his movies are at least interesting, even if they're terrible. uh, Moulin Rouge. I like Moulin Rouge, but not because it's a well-written movie. I think Moulin Rouge is a panderingly obnoxious and stupid movie. Australia so bad. I've never seen Australia. I always forget that he did Australia, and I've never seen Strictly Ballroom, which was like his first movie. He worked on some TV show, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Recently, oh fuck, man! All right, well, finish your drink. We have to look this one up. Welcome to the horror movie podcast where we talk about Baz Luhrmann. But, like, I love his Romeo and Juliet, but I don't know if it's a good movie. No. It's an interesting movie, but I don't it know is. if it's good. I, when I first saw that movie, uh, I fucking hated it more than anything. In the world. I was like, this movie, because we, we watched it in English class. Oh, The Get Down on Netflix. Oh, yeah, yeah. That one kind of bombed, though. That was a yeah. huge investment by Netflix, yeah. and then it fucking bombed i was always i I was curious to watch it i didn't know it had anything to do with baz lerman but i was curious to watch it but going back to romeo and juliet um we watched uh the og one and the baz lerman one back to back yeah we did the same thing i just i love the original one so much i think having that at, in the back of my head the whole time while watching the Bass Lerman one probably wasn't the best way of watching it. Um, so we I did th- the same thing, yeah. And but it's, it, yeah. But I've rewatched some clips since I've watched it. I mean, God, this was like eight years ago. But um, yeah, like it's in it's compelling to some degree. I'm like, yeah. wow, this is a this is a unique approach. And I said the same thing about Great Gatsby. It's it's maybe not the best way of <laughs> of right. telling that story, but it it is an interesting way nonetheless. I would say that the Great Gatsby is. Well, and I'm in the minority on this one because people go fucking gaga for Moulin Rouge. The only thing, the thing is with Moulin Rouge, well, we're going to talk about this now. You're in for the long I was going to say, this is um, completely unrelated, but we love it. The Moulin Rouge is so fucking trite, like the story I'm talking about, because it's basically, it's it's a shitty watered-down version of Titanic, which is already a shitty, watered-down version of Romeo and Juliet. Hey, Titanic's a good movie. Titanic's fine. Oh, it's so good. You want to talk about style over substance? That movie is my example. That's of that. fine. That's perfectly. I yeah. No, I can't. I can't argue with that. Um, I, it's just there's some things that. I don't know. I, 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 it's been a while since I've watched Titanic. <laughs> um, but Moulin Rouge, it's and like it fucking. It goes on and on and on about like you and McGregor. Oh, he wants he wants to learn about love. He wants to write about love. I've never been in love though. In love, we all you need is love. We're gonna sing all, every song fucking written about love. They don't go into what love means between a person. In fact, like all the actions the characters exhibit are of people that aren't in love. They're just of people that wanted to fuck like. 
and just oh, the character arcs are complete garbage and then she dies because of course she has to die and it's not even a surprise because the movie opens with him like saying the love of my life was dead but every time I watch that movie I'm like fuck you Baz Luhrmann I'm almost buying this because of how pretty this fucking movie is <laughs> and how much I enjoy your weird jukebox fucking musical numbers Dang. Which is why I go circling back to the Lords of Salem. I know that that his head is up his ass for that movie, and every time I show that movie to someone, they're like, "What the fuck is this?" And I'm like, "You know what? It's for those reasons that I kind of admire it because it's like, you know what? He wanted to make a Kubrick movie, and he made his weird white trash fucking unsubtle Kubrick movie." So that's all I have to say on that. I can't, uh, can't and I totally that. agree not liking. I totally understand. I totally understand not liking any of his movies because I've been in a standpoint at different times. Like I didn't like Halloween two when I first saw it. I hated Halloween two. You and had that, it like uh, that. Halloween Resurrection is your least favorite in the franchise. Yeah, for a period of time. Yeah, no. But Halloween Resurrection is still dog shit. Well, that, no yeah, one's ever gonna sucks. fucking convince me that's not trick but, or treat, motherfucker. <laughs> oh god. But Halloween 2, I hated it, but it was a similar experience I had watching twin the Twin Peaks movie, Fire Walk With Me, where like I l- came to learn and understand the director's style and what they were trying to do with the movie and ended up appreciating it more because of it. And I'm not going to say it's going to work for everyone. Like I was, I was, we were talking about before the show, both of his Halloween, all of his movies are fucking loud, angry, nasty movies. And if that's not your style, then you might as well just keep on keep on moving because you're not going to like any, any of them. He knows who, he knows his audience. He knows that's his audience the... and he knows the movies that he wants to make. Yeah. And it's the same thing with Eli Roth and we came full circle. So let's wrap up the show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jolyn, we hope you're feeling better, but Graham, thank you for filling in. Oh yeah. It was a perfect three year anniversary. Um, but yeah, that'll do it for this week. We will have one more episode coming out on Halloween, so stay tuned. Come see us at Sabbatic in Walker's Point on Monday in Milwaukee, Wisconsin on Monday the 28th. Until then, my groovy ghoulies, enjoy the rest of your evening.